Okay, so we, we ended last time with I'd given three scriptures, starting with Ephesians 4.29, about the idea that swearing is prohibited in Scripture, or actually asking the question, is swearing prohibited in Scripture? And we looked at that a little bit in comparison with cursing versus swearing, um, cursing being something different in the context of this podcast than swearing. All right. And then we went on to use a couple more scriptures. But how I want to start today is I want to start using another scripture in that same vein and then move on just briefly uh, cursing and then talking about the swearing ruin my testimony Does swearing cause other believers to stumble and things like that. OK, I want to, the scripture I want to use is Ephesians 5, 4. It says there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting, which not fitting, but rather giving of thanks, okay? So what I want to look at is that this word filthiness or obscenity, again, is that word sapros again, rotten. In the context of this, uh, the scripture, what I looked at is it's like filthiness in the idea of sexual immorality. Don't, don't be gross and talk about sex when you talk about sexual matters it comes from um this idea of don't be obscene don't be base don't be indecent in these things don't have that indecent talk so the filthiness is not really a matter of swearing however we seem to be super okay with filthiness and talk on in our movies in our comedy and stuff like that and i struggle in this area a lot not speaking filthy but I am a fan of comics. I love really sharp comics, and I uh, have a often a low standard of what I will listen to, and my standard often comes to filthiness is when I turn it off. They can use some, some bad language, and I'm okay with that, and I have to constantly evaluate and reevaluate my standard of where my heart is, where my head is. So that's the first one, filthiness in the Scripture, Ephesians 5.4. The second one that there must not be any is silly talk. Oh, that's interesting. And, and, and really, I think the best way to describe this is that there's no talk of fools, no foolish talk, no buffoonery. Uh, it, I, I looked it up and said it said something like no dull language, um, no moronic words. I, and I love that word moronic or dull language or buffoonery, but no silly talk around important or sacred matters the scripture doesn't say don't ever be silly that would be silly okay but don't have any any uh foolish talk buffoonery about things that are sacred okay there's another little description in here with this word silly talk uh in the scripture and it says um no talking without an edge and I thought, what does that, it's like, no, don't, you got to, silly talk is when you're talking without an awareness of what you're talking about and why it's important not to talk silly, okay? This third thing is no coarse jesting. And again, I struggle with the filthiness part of listening to comics. The silly talk, I don't think, I mean, some people think I'm dull and sluggish of heart and mind, but I don't think I am, um, and I'm usually not, uh, you know, I'm usually not using dull language or moronic words when it comes to sacred things or important things. That doesn't mean 
that I won't throw in something funny because I have learned as a strategy when things are hard and you say something funny and insightful or just extreme that it causes us to laugh, which is a good relief. If you've ever been to a really good funeral, um, there's, there's some humor about whoever passed away, if at all possible. And it's, it's a really good thing. So it's not, again, it's not talking about a hard, fast rule of don't ever, don't ever make fun of anything ever that's sacred. It's just, don't let it be, um, uh, moronic. Okay. This course jesting is something that I'm usually, I, I don't struggle with it now that I'm older. I don't, don't know if I did younger, but this is, I'm thinking about this as I'm, you know, as I, because what I do is I, of course, I read I, the Bible and I look up in scripture and then I, I don't usually go read a bunch of anything anybody else is saying on these things because I've been in ministry a long time and I've thought these things that I'm talking about on this podcast, I've thought them for a long time. You know, I've worked through them a long time. I've talked about them for a long time. I just have never uh, presented them in this way altogether ever. So but I was thinking about course jesting and that like that is like um, interesting. Be witty. It's not it's not saying don't be don't don't je- it's not saying don't jest, which is the don't it's not saying don't be witty or clever. It is saying don't be witty and clever at the expense of others. Okay. Now, my rule of thumb is if somebody's making fun to then make fun with them and to enjoy that back and forth. But if they're not giving anything back, then I don't make fun in that area or I try not to. And don't don't get me wrong. I have a dark sense of humor sometimes. And and uh, I'm not going to tell this joke I used to tell that about my mom um, that uh, friends told me for about a year or two, I shouldn't tell that joke. And then my wife told me for longer than that. Finally, I, I stopped. Maybe one day I will have the courage to tell that joke so other people can hear and judge me. Okay, so the thing is, is that this course jesting is crude joking, um, and it's it said no vulgar witticism. So don't get vulgar in your wittiness. And guys, we have a really hard time being that way. Now, most guys I would never course just with, which is interesting. The guys I've known the longest or the most that the most trust in, those are the ones I would be more prone to course just. So I'm going to have to like figure out and navigate that. Am I, is it, is it too far? Does, is, have I got, do I go too far sometimes with this course jesting? Okay. Just like in the filthiness when it comes to the comics I listen to, I have to like, always like, you know, navigate that. You know, it's not just a rule. I'm never going to listen to comics ever again um, because I love, especially during, you know, 2020 to now, I really love how they're showing up. I wish a lot more preachers would show up like the comics, not with filthiness or bad language, but with the sharpness of how they're seeing the world and where it's going and what it's doing right now and not be ugly or mean spirit about it and just point it out and then turn us to scripture and things like that. So again, in this, in this Ephesians five, four, it's more a matter of not, it's so important for us to not be judging others. Like you just told, I just told you, I struggle with the filthiness part when it comes to, to uh, 
to uh, uh, comedians and, of course, Justin, when it comes to close friends, well, I got two out of three strikes. I'm out. I mean, it's like it's like I've got two-thirds of a problem in this scripture. However, it's super easy for you to judge me in this, but I tell you what, the Lord is super happy with me in what I've done with my language. He's super happy with me. He's not going, oh, my gosh, I want you to be a 100% on fire for me and never get it wrong. No. He's delighted I'm using my voice. He's delighted I'm an encourager. He's delighted I point out truth. And I don't mean truth like, you're doing that wrong. I mean, man, you're brilliant. I love you. You're worthy of love. You're 100% lovable. I'm on your side. What do you need? He loves that about me. And he's not like lining up going, oh, man, less, less did some course jesting. Just weighed it. Oh, man, it's just, this side's getting heavy. Oh, he did some good talking over here, but man, he's got this course jesting. Oh man, he watched that new Netflix comedy. Oh man, I'm gonna have to punish him now, or I'm unhappy with him. No, he doesn't do that. He's not got anything on a scale. I know we struggle and we have things on a scale, but my father does not, okay? So the importance again, and I wanna start this second part of this pod, this podcast number two on swearing, on cursing, starting with Ephesians 5.4, is it's less about us not using bad words and much, much, much more about us examining ourselves to see if we are giving thanks, to see if, and it says right there in that scripture, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. And I would think that means also of everything else we've talked about the last podcast that the the ports the deep stuff of giving thanks rather than focusing on the shallowness of being filthy silly talk or coarse jesting person again that does not mean that you don't examine yourself to see if there's filthiness to see if there's silly talk to see if there's coarse jesting but you don't examine yourself by yourself with like a microscope you just talk to god god is there any filthiness god is there any silly talk? God, is there things that I make that I that I that, that are sacred that I make light of? God, is there is do, am, am, am I vulgar when I'm funny in in that coarse jesting? All right. So we examine with the Holy Spirit and we don't let shame sneak its head in there at all. So this is a this is a podcast on swearing not on cursing but since i juxtaposed at the beginning of the first one cursing and swearing or swearing and cursing i do want to touch on cursing a little bit uh, i had asked the question is swearing prohibited in scripture and it's a it I, I think it it most likely is but it's a shallow minor provision and again i'm not encouraging you to start swearing um if anything i would encourage you to stop swearing in most cases or in a lot of cases or at least to decide why you're swearing and if you want to continue that, if you want to continue swearing. I think that's how God works with us. I don't think he's like, you are not allowed to say this word, blah, blah, blah. I think he's like, it's a conversation. And I love the law. David loved the law. The law gives me guidance. The law gives me something. It's like a benefit. It gives me something. And so I'm in love with the law and I want to follow law. His law. Sorry, friends, not your law. His law, his ways, not your laws, not your ways, not your judgment. So I want to touch on 
cursing, and then I'm going to move on to swearing ruin my testimony. But cursing, the most interesting thing about this whole thing that I found is that it's much clearer that God hates cursing than, than he does about us dropping an F-bomb. I want to make that, I'm going to say that again and clarify, I don't want you to go drop an F-bomb, all right? The, the most interesting thing I found is that it's much clearer in Scripture, through the story of Scripture, that God hates us cursing his creation, his beloved creation, much more than he cares about us if we use a four-letter word or we drop an F-bomb. Why? Because swearing could be a simple, I've said this word all my life, I said it today. It's not connected to a heart condition. But cursing, my friends, is connected to a heart condition that opposes God, okay? Cursing is directed at God's creation. When you curse, you're saying that, that God made in his image. And when he made it, he said, that is very good. This is very good. I'm now saying it's junk. It's bad. No redeemable feature. This is very bad. Yes, absolutely. Cursing other humans individually or group is prohibited in scripture. So no matter how much you cannot stand Biden, Trump, your ex-wife or your ex-husband, that sports figure that that you think is a loser, uh, you sitting there as an armchair quarterback cursing people, that entertainer you don't like, you cannot like them, you cannot listen to them, you have no right, no place to curse them. God's not cursing them, you do not want to curse them either. You do not want to tear down God's creation with your words, okay? So cursing them, tearing them down means you're denigrating them. You're using your words to describe them and to put them in a hopeless hole where there is no redemption, a hopeless hole of no redemption. Nobody belongs in that hopeless hole. Doesn't matter what it looks like they've done or doing. Doesn't matter what you've experienced with them. In God's story, they are redeemable. All right. Just gonna, I'm going to briefly touch on does swearing ruin my testimony. Then I'm going to go pretty quick to, um, to does swearing cause other believers to stumble? Because I think that's the bigger question. Um, most people aren't super worried about swearing ruin their testimony. But I do hear that. And so does your... Does your swearing ruin your testimony? I think the question is, is, is twofold. Does swearing ruin your testimony in front of non-believers? And the second one, does swearing ruin your testimony in front of believers? I think absolutely swearing does not ruin your testimony in front of non-believers. They don't care that you swear. That doesn't mean you should swear, okay? I'm not saying that. I want you to hear that, all right? So swearing... I don't think ruins your testimony in front of non-believers because they, many of them, don't know they shouldn't swear. Maybe if you're in the Bible Belt, but even now, when I started out in the 1990s, in 94, 95, I became a youth pastor in Houston, and somebody would come up, they'd be swearing, and they'd be like, they would see me uh, as the driver, they'd see me there, and they would stop swearing, they'd be like, oh, I'm so sorry, pastor. And it didn't bother me, but they didn't want to swear in front of me. They knew. I don't think most people know now the non-church, the non-believer. Okay, so does swearing 
brewing your testimony in front of believers, all right? I think it does. As much as you might not want it to, as much as you have the freedom to swear, because you all have freedom to do whatever you want, and you do, and you are going to do whatever you want. So I don't want you to use, I don't like swearing, so I'm going to use scripture to say swearing is wrong, and I don't want you to say I love swearing and, and use what I have been saying on this podcast to have give you permission to swear. But I think it does hurt you in front of believers to swear, all right? Believers have a problem with that. I think the big problem is, is when we as Christians swear and we hold it as a badge of our freedom that I have freedom to swear, okay? That's a bad thing. It's not, we don't want to have the freedom to swear, even though we do have the freedom to swear. We don't want to take that freedom and use it that way, okay? Now, um, if swearing is ruining your testimony with non-believers, which I don't think it is, then I would say that you have a lot of work to do in your testimony with them, all right? Because I can be around non-believers and a lot of nominal or sideline Christians, and if I swore, they would just not care at all. They would see who I am and how I am and how much I love them, and they would be okay with that. So I hope that's where your testimony is. But... I think inside the church, inside a group of believers, swearing is going to definitely ruin your testimony, your reputation, especially among a certain group or type of believers. And honestly, that's not a horrible, bad thing. So throwing in a good choice swear words may just be what you need to allow some of your so-called Christian friends to unfriend you. They may be your friend because they think you think exactly like them and you not swearing in front of them, but swearing in front of everybody else might be a good thing that you're doing, loving them, and it might be a bad thing hiding from them. Only you get to decide that. I don't, I mean, I could help you decide that in a, a counseling or I don't counsel, but in a coaching session or conversation, but I think that's really powerful. So you you might be hiding who you are by not swearing, afraid that your Christian friends will reject you, um, and you have the complete freedom, or you just you know you just have always sworn and you're trying to struggle not to, and you always feel like you're closed off when you're around them. That it could be loving of you to again not swear in front of them, but it also could be you just hiding how you really are, which is probably not a great not a great thing. Um, I think if you are look, if someone's looking for my testimony to be ruined by single things that I do, um, they're going to be able to find anything they want. Anybody can ruin my testimony with, and I've had this done before. Did you hear Les doesn't like the Assembly of God when I was no longer working at Assembly of God Church, which is ridiculous. I'm back at one now. I've worked mostly for Assembly of God and or Assembly of God type churches, but people like to say stuff like that. Um, or, hey, Les doesn't like blank or blank when it comes to, or Les doesn't believe in this or that simply because I use a different phrase or because I have a question or a doubt about the fullness of what that word or with what that belief means. And I challenge it so people like to ruin my testimony. They, I can't listen to less because this and that. Um, it's also happened, uh, I don't know when it happened, but I remember it, uh, somebody told me, said, say, yeah, somebody told me, say, so-and-so said, uh, watch out, they literally, watch out for less because he drinks. And, um, 
it's a funny thing, right? So we know that most believers are drinking believers. Most believers are getting divorced and addicted to pornography and uh, doing other things, doing a lot of what they want, abusing their bodies, abusing them, their marriages, their children, cheating. It's, it's an amazing thing that, that, that then somebody would be worried or thinking about less drink. So there, that's the one thing. Chick, chick. So I ruined my testimony. So I'll talk about that a little bit about the swearing cause other believers to stumble. But uh, I don't think it ruins my testimony unless somebody wants it to ruin their testimony or my testimony. Hope that makes sense. I think the bigger issue is what I'm coming into now to swearing cause other believers to stumble. Okay, so this idea that the swearing cause other believers to stumble, it's like, yes, swearing can cause other believers to stumble. I think it causes the weak, the immature, the new believers to stumble. I don't think it's causing anyone else to stumble when you swear, except stumbling within their own heart uh, because you are giving them space to judge you, which then I think that goes on to them and not to you, all right? I think you'll understand after I use uh, a couple scriptures that we use often. There's two of them that we use often to um, when we say, well, we don't want to cause other people to stumble. So 1 Corinthians 8, 9 is the first verse I'm going to use. And it's in the context of food and uh, to eating certain types of food. Um, but we, you know, we apply it to all sorts of sin, and I'm going to apply it to swearing, uh, which I think it's correct application in many cases. I don't think just because the Apostle Paul is talking about food, we can only put the scripture to food. Um, I think we, you know, discern and we apply things appropriately across certain, certain areas. Uh, Paul says in this first Corinthians eight, nine, be careful, however, that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. Now be careful, however, that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak could maybe. So I want to reread that. Be careful, however, that the exercise of your right to swear does not become a stumbling block to the weak, okay? What I don't want you to say is be careful, however, that the exercise of your rights that you just learned that Les said that you can swear, that that does not become a stumbling block to the weak. I hope don't, because you don't want to use what somebody else taught. You want to, like, go hear the Lord on it, okay? The phrase here, to the weak, means the morally weak, those who are struggling in their faith. It can also mean to the physically weak. But swearing rarely, if ever, causes the old believer to start swearing. It rarely causes the new believer to stumble because often the new believer is swearing anyways. They don't know unless they've been told to not swear. Let them swear until it comes about that you have a chance to talk to them. You're not trying to stop them from sinning, all right? But what I see happen is swearing regularly causes the proud and the religious believer to stumble, the mature believer to stumble. And they're not actually stumbling on your swearing. They're stumbling on their own pride. They're stumbling on their own religious pharisaical robes that they walk in with. And so I think a question we can ask when it comes to swearing, am I becoming a stumbling block to those who are weak, to those who are in darkness, to those who are morally weak or immature, or am I simply irritating the mind of the Pharisee 
who cannot, will not, does not want to stop themselves from judging me? How is that a question to ask when it comes to swearing? All right. And I want to add to this. I do not believe that we should purposefully or joyfully irritate the Pharisee. Okay. I think we should position ourselves as best we can to bring them into a fuller understanding and relationship with Jesus and do not do that per by purposely provoking them and or ignoring them, which is most of us do. That doesn't mean I will not get into some verbal fisticuffs with the Pharisee or re with a religious person. I will. I will. If they're going to use their freedom to make a big statement that I think is a big turd in the middle of the room, I'm going to use my freedom to say something, okay? And then it can be on, and that's fine. But the, the conversation, the argument, the disagreement is always to point towards Jesus, okay? So this idea that the Pharisee is stumbling, I think is wrong. I don't think they're stumbling. I just think they're judging. I just think they're judging. And that stumble is on them, okay? Something that the Lord showed me about five, six years ago in a, co in a coaching session, actually, was on this idea of the stumbling block. The, whatever is a stumbling block to you that's truly a stumbling block to you, a stumbling block meaning I can't get to where I want to go because there's a block in front of me that's making me stumble, that we turn those stumbling blocks over and they become stepping stones. And what do stepping stones do? They help us get to our destination. They help us move into our destiny where we want to go. And that's what we want to be to people as stepping blocks. We want to create as many stepping blocks, not stumbling blocks. That's to the weak and that's to the Pharisee. Okay. The second scripture, so the first one was out of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. The second one is Romans 14, 21. And I thought this, like, this was like super interesting in this aspect of, again, it's not about swearing it's about it's not just about eating it's actually about eating meat and drinking wine but again i think we can apply to it um we can apply it to this idea of should we swear or should we not swear and does swearing cause other believers to stumble now the interesting thing i found in the scriptures a couple things is i not had not seen it before until uh, studying for this and kind of I what I do is I don't study a ton is I think and I talk to the Lord and I look at scripture then I just start lining it out what I find interesting what's been helpful for me and then when I go oh I didn't know that like like I mentioned earlier about the filthiness and uh, different things and sharing that and what what I what I found super interesting that this scripture has been so used by the enemy so advantageously by the enemy it's given it's it's used to shame people who want to be good who don't want to be bad who don't want to be an offense the enemy uses it i think a lot to tell people oh don't do that because somebody might be offended you might somebody might be tempted they might be weakened in their faith, and he's constantly feeding this. And I, I want to speak to that, okay? Because I believe that this scripture is to be used in the context of the local body of Christ in a congregation, 
not what if somebody saw me in my house doing this thing, would they be tempted to be weakened in their faith or would they be offended? No, I think it's when I'm with people, gathered with people, am I doing things that are offensive or, or tempted, okay, or tempting them to be weakened in their faith? I think it's not I think it's also not in the context of the entire body of Christ being afraid that anybody in the body of Christ might be offended or tempted by something I do, by something I eat or drink or do or say. Are you getting what I'm saying? I, I don't, I, I hope, I hope that's clear. So get this. I'm going to read it again. Romans 14, 21. Consider it an act of love to refrain from eating meat or drinking wine or doing anything else that would cause a fellow believer to be offended or tempted to be weakened in his faith. Of course, somebody's going to be offended by everything you do. You say I'm a Christian. There are people like, oh, those Christians, they're going to be offended. All right. And anybody, anything you believe, if you, I believe in the prophetic, oh my, how can you believe in the prophetic? So there's a, there's a constant thing that you can't, you can't have your radar up for everything of every Christian that might think of you. So your local body, your group of people, who you worship with, all right, who you're being strengthened with, who you're growing with, who you're living life with is for the scripture. All right. Because of course, Someone's going to be offended. Someone's going to be tempted to eat another Twinkie. All right. I, I don't even know if Twinkies exist anymore. I, I, I know they do in movies, so I'm not sure if they still do. I haven't had Twinkie and I don't know how, how long. It's making me curious. I don't even remember what they taste like. Anyways, I think this scripture is like this. Somebody's going to be offended, but in the context of your local body, you take care of that offense. You take care that you're not tempting them, okay? But then other times, okay, it'd be like this. You're at a dinner table. Your eight-year-old's there. Your 10-year-old, your 14-year-old. There's certain things you wouldn't say in the context with your siblings, your adult siblings, in the context of aunts and uncles sitting around a table, that you would wait till your eight-year-old left to say it, okay? Because they might be tempted to think something different than what you're saying. You would have a shortcut of getting there because of your life experience. Okay. I think that's, that's, that's the, what it looks like. It looks like in this body with this group of these believers that are, that are immature, that are weak, that are new. I don't want to offend them. I don't want to tempt them into being weakened in their faith. Okay. All right, so that's another question you might ask. God, what, what is it? Is there something I'm doing in the context of my local body that is offensive to someone, and what can I do about that? That's something I kind of have to ask myself. The only thing I do that would be tempting to be people to be weakened in their faith is, is I don't know. But the, the, the offended part, I want to be aware of that. I'm not so aware of that. I don't want to be so aware of that that I don't be me but I want to be the me in the very best super spiritual way that I can still being me. Okay. And the really curious thing at the beginning of this, it says, consider it an act of love. So if you're not eating or drinking or swearing, don't do it out of religious obligation, do it out as of an act of love to everybody around you. I want to say that again, whatever you're eating or drinking or not eating or drinking, whatever you're doing or not doing, what if you're swearing or not swearing, do that, whatever you're refraining from, consider it as an act of love. 
I, I think if you don't like to swear anyways and you hate swearing, to refrain from it is not an act of love. I think if you like to swear and you want to do it as an act of love, you don't swear, that's an act of love. I think if you like to drink, but you're not going to drink in front of certain people, that's an act of love, okay? Because you're refraining from doing something you want to do, you like to do, you enjoy doing, but you know someone will be offended or tempted in that, that, in that body at that table, so you don't do it. From my experience, the young believer is almost never offended or thrown off or led, ast led astray by swearing. What they're thrown off by is judgment, is religiosity, is rule makers and rule uh, demanders, is the spiritual pharisaical police officer that says, you have to believe this, you can't believe that. Why did you even say that? How could you even think that, okay? So I think that my experience is when it comes to swearing specifically, a young, fender, a, a young believer is not gonna be offended. They're not gonna be that thrown off of their faith. They might be led astray by the vulgarity. They might be led astray by um, other things, but I think it's the, um, the, the, they might be thrown off by you being a complainer, you being uh, disrespectful to your leadership. They will be more thrown off by your negativity about politics and more led astray in their faith about your negativity about their politics than they will be about you dropping an F-bomb. I assure you of that because your one thing has to do with the word other has to do with the heart. Again, don't get me wrong. I'm not suggesting you go swear, but rather that you keep working on, that we keep working on our heart condition instead of working on focusing on getting our words right. Because as we get our heart condition right, our mouth will start doing those things. Our mouth will start speaking differently. We'll start hearing differently. As our heart, as our heart keeps stirring, getting right, uh, then our, our, our filter in our mouth changes and our filter in our ears change because our heart filter is changing, okay? Now, this is one thing, again, we forget a lot about how spiritual Christianity is. Christianity starts in the inside. It continues in the inside. All the work is done on the inside. All the work of God is done on the inside. All the work that you take with you into heaven, done on the inside. It's a deeply spiritual problem that Jesus came to solve, and he solves it by doing something deeply spiritual on the cross, and the work continues with the focus on the heart condition first, second, second, secondly, on our actions, okay? Probably first our heart, and then secondarily on our mind, and then thirdly, or on the tertiary level, the third level on our actions. But we love to focus on the superficiality of our words, superficiality of our actions, okay? If all you can point out to somebody is that they swear, they watch movies you don't like, they have a, a six-pack every weekend, Man, you're going you're gonna to miss out on a ton of godly, good people that you can learn joy and peace and a lot of stuff from. But a lot of times we line up these superficial actions and we're like, and I've had people ask me this, why is so-and-so blessed? Why is so-and-so blessed? Why is so-and-so blessed? Because all they can see is the three things that this person's doing that they have decided not to do. And they're judging them and they're thinking that their right self-righteousness should get the blessing but it's not, okay? So we want to get our hearts aligned with God's heart, 
Once that happens, our mind will follow when we do. That's our work is take every thought captive. God works in the heart level. We do take every thought captive, giving it to him, and then our actions are followed. The hard work, the long work, the right work, the good work is for us to align our heart to God's, our mind to him. Lastly, our words. Lastly, worry about swearing. Lastly, worry about your actions, all right? So I am going to end with this. Why? I just thought about this. I, I, don't have a, I don't have a lot of answers for it, but I keep thinking, why do we love the shallow end of Christianity? Politics, the shallow end, all right? Finances, the shallow end. All can be deeply spiritual, but when we start there, it's, it's the shallow end. Should I swear or not swear? Swearing good or bad? The shallow end. Man, we, we want to like go in the deep end. We want to go to where the heart conditioning ways of God are taking place. I said the heart conditioning ways of God, but it's the heart conditioning waves of God. I've been a believer a long time, and it's like what's been super cool is to constantly be like the in the growth mindset, not like I got to work harder and be better and like sh like be smarter, but like all I got to do is like be more in alignment with him and it's wave after wave after wave. So why do we love the shallow end? Why do we love the superficial laws over the law of love? And um, I think, first of all, the first, maybe the most powerful thing I can think of, it's just easier. It's just so much easier. Who's in my club? Those who swear. Who's out of my club? Those who don't swear. Who's in my club? Those who don't drink. Who's out of my club? Those who drink. All right? And if they swear... They're in because it shows they have freedom. If they swear, they're out because it shows shows that they're heathens, all right? Instead, we should be listening to the heart sound of the people rather than the words that they're using. And the Apostle Paul says in Corinthians, don't know any man according to the flesh, which speaking is the flesh, know them according to their creation of how they were created. And are we so unaware of our enemies' plans to use words to sway us that we think we should judge others' actions or others by their words alone? Are we so unaware of our enemy's plans to use words to sway us like he did Jesus in the three temptations that we think that we can just hear words and know what someone's talking about? We gotta hear deeper, we gotta question more, we gotta have a deeper conversation with the Lord, with the Holy Spirit as we're hearing other people. So I think it's just much easier. I think that we mistakenly think that we can judge people based on what they say, which is completely wrong. And then thirdly, I think that we love the, the, the shallow or the superficial laws um, over the, 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 the law of love is because it's just it's part of our fallen nature. And we listen so much to our fallen man. There's a dead man living inside of you. Stop listening to him. If it's normal for your soul to be negative, if it's normal, it's normal for your flesh to be negative, but not your spirit man. And your spirit man is meant to rule over your mind, over your soul, which then rules over your flesh. I think the fourth reason why we like the shallow, we like the superficial laws over the law of love, the law of the heart, is that it gives us a great space to be self-righteous. It gives us something to point to. Oh, oh. I don't swear, I don't drink, I don't dance, I don't go to movies, I don't watch that, I don't do that. I believe the right things, I don't believe the wrong things, all right? So this idea kind of like maybe self-righteous kind of goes into that whole club thing also, but it allows us 
superficial law, the shallow end allows us to point to something good that we are doing and say, at least I'm not like them. At least I'm not like them. We have somebody in the scripture that says, God, thank you that I'm not like them. I think a lot of us in our mindsets have this idea, thank you that I'm not like them. So I thought I was going to conclude there, but let, let me, let me go. Let me should let me a, a answer this question. Should you stop swearing? Well, who am I to tell you if you should stop swearing? Why don't you ask someone who knows? Why don't you ask someone who knows? If you do swear, ask someone who knows. Don't have like all your own opinions about it. Say, God, I like to swear, God. God, I like to swear. I like to joke around saying these words. Do you want me to, do you want me to clean up that language? I heard a preacher. Th this is so fun. This is probably what I've been thinking about. I heard a preacher earlier this year, one of my favorite preachers. And from the pulpit, he said, yeah, God told me I need to start, stop swearing. I was like, what the heck? That guy swears? I just started laughing. Because I know a ton of people like aren't going to like him if they knew that he swore. I'm not going to tell you who he is because I want you to like him if I ever quote him down the road. But ask God, God, do you want me to stop swearing? Do you want me to, st do you want me to start being, do you want me to start encouraging people? Do you want me to start using my words to testify of your goodness? Do you want me to start using my words to build up people? But should you stop swearing? Ask him. Examine yourself with him. I think for me, I don't want to swear that much. I don't mind if I do. Again, in our household, if it's funny, you can swear. We don't care. It's not that big. It's not that big of a deal. We don't swear. I don't think I've never... I don't think any of us have ever sworn at each other. Sworn at a lot by my brothers, I will say that. Never my sisters, never my parents. To end it on that, my my dad, I heard my dad say, I think, one or two swear words describing a person. Not malicious, not mean, just a short description. It didn't feel bad when I was like 15 or 16. I was working for him in construction in Oregon. And I'm not sure I ever have ever heard my mom swear at all, except that one example I started with earlier on in this series. All right, man, I hope that helps you a lot. And I hope you will again, like and share and comment. Um, I said like and share. I did not say like and swear. All right. All right. God bless you. He's got great things ahead for you. I love you. Bye.